Hi, and welcome to Season 3 of Emetophobia Help. I'm your host, Anna Christie, licensed therapist, author, and recovered emetophobic. If you're enjoying this podcast or you find it helpful, you can buy me a coffee for a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds. Just scroll down in the notes to see the link. So I'm here today with Cassidy, who is from sunny Southern California. Hi, Cassidy. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. That's just great. I love it when um, I, when people are volunteering to to come onto the podcast and tell their story. That's just awesome. Um, so let's let's hear your story with emetophobia. When did it start, and all of that? Yeah, so for me, I've had emetophobia for as long as I could remember. So just starting off in my childhood, I feel like that's with most people who have emetophobia. It starts off in childhood. Um, and I, I think for me, actually, I thought having emetophobia was the worst and there's, I couldn't get any worse. Um, but actually, mm-hmm. through listening to your podcast, I realized that I'm probably more on the better end, I guess. I mean, <laughs> if that's even possible. That's <laughs> um, good. I, yeah. I've never struggled with any eating, like problems or issues or anything like that um except for you know if you if i got sick off of a food then i never want to eat that food again <laughs> right. but i've yeah. been lucky enough to be able to eat whatever i've wanted to so i feel like i am very blessed in that sense and um through listening to your podcast i have heard that there has been a lot of cases in that and that's very common in metaphobia Right. Eating is, it can be a really troubling thing because we have to eat, of course, but if it scares you, then it takes a long time to get over that and you have to take such small steps that people get frustrated with it sometimes, uh, some of my clients especially. But um, oh, I'm I'm glad that uh, you're okay with eating. What was it like for you in childhood like um what were your parents and your family like and school and all of that yeah so for me i grew up with my older sister and then my younger sister and anytime like my siblings would get sick i would freak out anytime my friends would get sick i would freak out and so everyone knew something was wrong like everyone knew like and i knew that i have like I didn't really know it was a phobia or anything like that until a few years back, but everyone just kind of knew it was like not normal. And I just kind of grew up with that. And so kind of what I did was kind of try to hide it. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew that it wasn't normal. And so I tried to really just kind of conform and really try to be normal and try to pretend like I didn't have it. Um, But my family all knew because anytime anybody would get sick, I would just freak out. Um, And interesting enough, this is really crazy. I think for me, I think there's a genetic component for my metaphobia because my younger sister has it as well. Mm. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, hopefully I uh, wasn't the one that gave her the phobia just from my phobia growing up because anytime she would get sick or anybody gets sick, I would just freak out. So right. that is very interesting. So I do have someone to relate with and um, really just goes through the same exact thing as me. And how much younger is she than you? She's five years younger than me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably your reaction would have quite an impact on her then, you know, if she were two or three years old and you're eight and, you know, then you're freaking out. Um, yeah. I there's There is a genetic component to having an anxiety disorder, not necessarily this one. Um, you know, there's no particular 
gene for emetophobia, but, um, you know, we're anxious, we're born anxious, we're anxious people, and why it sticks to vomiting and not something else, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows, actually. But um, in a sense, it doesn't really matter because we know how we know now how to fix it, you know, whether, you know, regardless of what caused it in the first place, but it would always be a few things, few factors for sure. Yeah, so you're a middle child and your older sister, she's okay? Oh, yeah, she's still pick a few off the ground and eat it. She <laughs> does not care. She is completely no anxiety at all. She's yeah. doing great. <laughs> There's always some kid in the family that just gets off scot-free, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, everybody is focused on the others. Did you find that your parents worried about you and your sister when you were young? Um, not necessarily as in like a sense of like we have anxiety and like phobia, I think more so with my younger sister. Um, cause we both do have like generalized anxiety. Um, but I think for her, they kind of were like realizing with me, um, I didn't go to therapy or anything like that until I was older. I feel like in my family, it was kind of like, you only go to therapy if like something's really wrong. Like my parents got divorced, so they mm -hmm. went to therapy. And like, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like a negative stigmatism around my family um, with therapy. Um, so I actually didn't even tell my family I was going to therapy and kind of getting help until recently, until I was like almost done with like my therapies when I kind of let them know. Yeah, it's, it's some, some families are really funny, you know, really wrong. That's um, <laughs> it's like, obviously, they've never had what you had because it is really wrong, right? Like, it's just, it's, it is something that's really wrong. And um, I think for parents, if it affects a child's eating and their weight, then they're much more on it um, than if it doesn't. So in that sense, that wasn't very lucky for you, but it's st you're still luckier that you didn't have a, an eating problem. That's for sure. Yeah. So what, um, what happened, like what led you to get some sort of, you were saying you got therapy. So um, what kind of factors led to that for you? Yeah. So, is I, so I grew up with just emetophobia, like when people were sick and like around, basically only like when people around me were sick and I didn't really think much of it other than that, unless somebody said they don't feel good or they're not sick. Other than that, I really didn't think about it. So it really wasn't that bad um, up until maybe about two, about two, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I just got done, I finished graduating dental hygiene school and my husband and I decided to take a trip to Greece because I do love to travel. So that's what's been mm -hmm. really hard is I love to travel on such a passion of mine and my metaphobia has definitely kind of interfered with that. And my dream was always just to actually be like a travel photographer. And that was wow. always been my dream and I would just love to travel. And so I really didn't have too many problems with traveling. Um, I would be fine if up until the trip we just took to Greece a few years back. And um, so we were on, you know, you get on like the little shuttle bus to kind of take you from the plane to like the right. airport. Mm -hmm. So we just landed in Greece from Santorini. So Athens and we, they mm -hmm. crammed us on one of those little shuttle buses and there was way too many people to be on the bus just in general. Um, and of course, we're still following all the COVID guidelines. So we had our masks on and they just crammed way too many people on this one shuttle bus. And it was very, very hot out. We just got off the plane 
And then there was a girl that got sick on the bus and I was, she was in the back of the bus and I was kind of in the middle of the bus, but I still saw it. And even though she was a good 10, 15 people away from me, I just had a panic attack and I pushed my way all the way to the front of the bus. My husband and I both, I just pulled us up there, like fighting through people, like almost pushing people over. And I was just shaking so bad. And so we were all like standing because there's way too many people in there. And there was an older lady, she was sitting down. And I was just like shaking. I just cannot stop shaking. I was having a panic attack. I was freaking out. And she asked me, she's like, do you want to take my seat? Do you want to sit down? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm okay. Like this older lady should be <laughs> sitting here. Like I should not be taking her seat, you know? And so I was like, I'm okay. But basically ever since then, I think just something just switched in my brain. And um, it was just very traumatizing for me. And I just had such a hard time. I started having, ever since we got home, we actually were going um, two days later to a trip to Hawaii with my husband's family. And I, I love Hawaii. I love traveling. And that's like my favorite thing to do. And I had a panic attack the night before. And I just didn't think I was going to be able to make it on the flight. I was, did not want to go. I was just freaking out. I was begging him not to make me go. Uh, we ended up going and had an amazing time. So I'm really glad we went. But just the anxiety was so bad. And then coming back from that, just into that summer, I just had terrible anxiety. I, in church, I was having anxiety, just intrusive Mm -hmm. thoughts, like all these places that I could go before and have no issue. Movie theaters, just basically anywhere. I was just so terrified, so terrified that someone was going to get sick. And it was actually really crazy because there was multiple times in such a short time frame um, that somebody, we were driving down my street and at the end of my street, there was a guy pulled over and he got sick on the side of the road. And so just mm-hmm. all these different like exposures, <laughs> which you now mean, I know an exposure kind of yeah. throwing at me. And it was yeah. just really triggering my anxiety to just mm-hmm. a terrible level. Um, and I think the really pushing point for me was that I just really turned into a mean person and that's not who I was. I've always just been super, just nurturing, caring, loving, and my anxiety really just turned me into just, a, I would say, a terrible person. I Any oh. situation, I just pushed my way out. I was being so mean to people. Like, I didn't care if I was knocking people over in that shuttle bus. So right. for me, it's like, that's not who I am. And the anxiety really changed me into somebody I didn't want to be. And that's when I really realized, okay, I need to do something about this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, y- you know, it... I just want to say, first of all, that you're not a mean person, (laughs) just because you did that thing. um, You know, we talk about the fight or flight um, response all the time. And I think that for people like you and me, and most people that are listening, it's mostly flight, like we run away um, from whatever it is, or avoid it in the first place. So but there's a fight component as well. So if you can't run, you will fight. You know, you will, you'll put yeah, you'll push old ladies over and and climb over them. And you know, (laughs) you're too young to remember Seinfeld, probably, but there's this great episode where there's a fire and George Costanza literally pulls an old lady away from the door and runs out himself. And then he has to account for that later. But uh, (laughs) it's, you know, um, it's it's meant like it's this instinct that we have fight or flight is meant if you see a bear or an alligator wherever you are in the world and it's coming after you you will run from it you know you'll run um and if you can't run if it catches you you'll fight just without even thinking like no thought goes into it at all um 
because you really can't fight much with a bear or I don't know anything about alligators because I'm in Canada. <laughs> but we have we have bears here. If a grizzly bear or a polar bear catches you, they will just eat you. So, you know, you, there's no point in fighting them. But you'll you'll fight anyway. You won't you, you won't even think. And um uh, sometimes people have children that just act way out of character for them as well. Um, and they'll, you know, their parents will contact me and they'll say, oh, he also has oppositional defiant disorder. And when you really look into it, the child doesn't have that. It's just terror. It's so scary. You know, it's so hard to explain to people that have never experienced it, how frightening it is. And it sounds to me like for you, other people vomiting is were is that like the worst thing? Was that the most triggering thing, or would it be f sort of feeling nauseous or sick or something yourself? So for me, it was always the fear of somebody else being sick and they were going to make me sick. So okay. I yeah. was always mm -hmm. really deeply scared of getting sick myself, and I was scared that someone else was going to make me sick. So that's why, and I feel like I think maybe it has something to do with control and that I'm able to control myself more, but I can't control mm -hmm. everybody else around me. So I think that might right. be part of it. Yeah, there's there's a component of that in it for sure, because being out of control is a terrifying feeling, just terrifying. Um, I uh, The other thing I wanted to unpack a little bit before you, before you talk about, you know, your the therapy that you received, um, that flight to Hawaii when you were, you just didn't want to go. I've had clients text me. I've had people, quite a few people actually text me from airports where they're waiting to board and they're like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can go through with it. And I never know really what to tell them other than to just say, yes, you can do it. What was it that got you on that plane? Do you think in the end? Um, I think in the end, just like the desire of wanting to be there and really wanting to travel and be there with my family. Um, I think things that helped me, which are safety behaviors, which I don't know um, if I should be shared for other people trying to get over it. But what I do is I put my face mask on and I put my headphones in and right. I just take a sleeping pill and I just knock out. So that's like kind of what got me through it. I remember yeah. someone, one of our family members was like, oh my gosh, Cassie, I wish I could be sleeping the whole flight like you did. And yeah. I was like, well, I have to be, otherwise I wouldn't be able to be here. Right, right, yeah. So you probably like to fly with someone else, do you? Somebody that you know, as opposed to by yourself? Yes, that's, my yeah. husband. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's the, I when I, I wouldn't get on a plane at all, at all, at all, until, I don't know, I was like 40 years old or something when I finally got over the phobia. And um I flew somewhere with my husband, I think, and then and then I just signed up for a national committee that meets in Toronto, and I'm out here in Vancouver, so that's a five-hour flight um, just to get halfway across the country, but and it's by yourself, and so, um, but it, it met four times a year, that committee, and I was on the committee for three years, so that really helped me get over it, and I actually quite enjoyed it after a while, like not knowing who you're going to sit beside, you know, and what might be wrong with them or whatever. Yeah, it's it could be scary, but eventually, yeah, most people are, are fine. Um, and you, do you work as a dental hygienist? Yes, I do. You do. So that summer is when I graduated dental hygiene school, mm -hmm. which I just have a lot of anxiety anyways. And I feel like there's a lot of anxiety throughout the program and just finishing it and like mm -hmm. all that 
kind of anxiety went away and I feel like it just kind of poured into like emetophobia. Um, but yes, yeah, so I work as a dental hygienist. I've been a dental hygienist for almost two years now. And luckily, I've been okay with like my metaphobia. I haven't had come across any issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of our patients are healthy. Like we won't see a patient if they have any like cold, flu-like symptoms. We take their temperatures. But there are instances, and I've heard stories of people getting sick, and I've heard my doctor tell stories and things like that. Um, And while we take dental x-rays, I make my patients gag a lot. And I don't have any issue with that. I have no problem with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've gagged a few times, I think, and um, dental something or other, I don't know what, but just gagging, that doesn't make you throw up. Like a lot of people think, oh, that's it. If I, if it goes too far back in my throat, and I, you know, you can make a gagging motion <laughs> with your body, and it just to get the thing out of the back of your throat is all it is. It's not about throwing up. Um, I tell people, no, it's more like throwing up causes gagging more than gagging causes throwing up. Yeah. So all of you afraid to go to the dentist, just go to the dentist. You never know, you might get a nice hygienist like Cassidy, who understands your problem and can kind of reassure you that it'll be fine. So besides that, you can as I'm, I don't need to preach to the choir talking to you, but I'm sure there are people who are so afraid to go to the dentist and many of them emetophobic that they end up with the worst, worst problems, like a million times worse than going to a dentist in the first place. Like, you know, infection, abscesses that go up into their sinus and it can go to your brain and it can kill you. And yeah, go to the dentist, people. Yes. (laughs) Take good care of your teeth or you'll end up with none. And even that, you know, doesn't always, it's not a very nice thing for sure. Um, So tell tell us about your therapy. What uh, did you look for for someone? Uh, How did you find someone and how did that go? Yeah, so for my therapy, it's actually interesting because I wanted to go to therapy to get over my metaphobia, but there's also other traumas in my life and things I've dealt with and that kind of seem more normal to go to therapy over. Mm-hmm. So I was telling myself, I'm gonna go to therapy to kind of get over this, even though I feel like I've kind of done my own therapy and I was pretty much over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a therapist and for me, um, I was, I'm Christian, I was raised in the church and I feel like there's a little bit of negative stigmatism around therapy as well. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I really mm-hmm. want to make sure I find a Christian therapist. And I did. And she was amazing. She's not too far from me in Riverside, California. And she actually specializes in um, a lot of just like phobias. And mm-hmm. she did exposure therapy with me. So I initially started just like normal therapy. And then it led into just come overcoming my I'm not going to say 100% overcome, but really just working on my emetophobia. And so I was able to find her, and I actually read the emetophobia, emetophobia manual, uh-huh. and I was able to give that to her. And she's really, really great with exposure therapy. And we just worked with a lot of exposures, and we made a hierarchy, and we uh-huh. just went through all the different things. And the interesting thing about my therapy, which I feel like is just definitely just all from God, um, is I actually got sick a couple times during my um 
during my exposure therapy, which I feel like really helped. So I ended up getting food poisoning when I was pretty much almost at the top of my hierarchy. And I ended up having, (laughs) I know, I ended up having to stay home from work. And it was really crazy because I didn't text my therapist or tell her anything. And Mm -hmm. she never would call me. And then out of nowhere, she called me. And she was really just able to help me and like talk me through it and work through it. So I just really think that was just like a gift from God. And I know not being sick is not fun, but I feel like that really helped me. Um, And then our, we ended up going on another trip to Hawaii. So this was last summer and I did okay on the flight. I did a lot better. I made it there and I ended up getting food poisoning again and I got sick there. And that would be like, that would be like my worst nightmare. And barely like have I don't think I've ever got food poisoning in my life I've only ever right. really had norovirus I really haven't gotten mm-hmm. sick very many times um and so over there I got sick but I think a huge thing that really helped me get over it is my husband was there this time the last time he was at work so he wasn't there with me and this time he was there and he was just like comforting me and holding my hair back and I never had that before mm-hmm. I think for me my metaphobia also stems down just to being like isolation and alone and I mm. think like and when I was young, like I'd feel like a lot of times I was sick. I'm like, I can't see my friends. I can't go outside. I'm alone. And I think that's the deep root of like my cause of my metaphobia is just mm. being isolated and being alone. So I feel like that really just kind of helped trigger my brain. And I feel like I'm almost over being, um, being sick myself. I mean, I yeah. still, I don't want to be sick, but I feel of like course. I'm probably a good, like 80% cured of, um, the metaphobia part of myself being sick, it's still more for others, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. so much better than where I was. That's great. What What's the highest thing that you've worked on in your hierarchy of, um, you know, of other people being sick? Yeah, so that was just going to a lot of different like places. So a lot of the places I was scared places. of. Okay. One thing for me was going into like restrooms, so public mm-hmm. restrooms. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there in the stall and I would go through breathing exercises and really just try to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go to different, a lot of different, so Disneyland and going on rides. That was a big thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. We live right by Disneyland. I love Disneyland. And I had such a fear going there. And I actually had a panic attack at SeaWorld before I started my um, exposure therapy. And we were just getting on a ride for one of those little water rides. It's like the rapid rides. It's like, I don't right. know if anyone ever getting sick on there, but I was getting on the ride and I had a panic attack because they put other people on there with us. Uh-huh. And I was, I got separated from my husband and I just ended up, we waited like in a two hour line and we were with my, oh, family, no. my husband's family and I just took off across the park and I had a panic attack and then my husband took off after me and I just felt so bad. But so I come a long way since where I used to be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, have you looked at have you looked at pictures and videos things like that yeah 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 got so pictures yeah so the like the words pictures didn't really bother me as much the videos Mm -hmm. did um and we did some um videos in my therapy i did eat the um jelly bean uh, oh yeah there was actually two jelly beans and I there was one that was vomit flavored and one that was dead fish flavored and i didn't know which one i was gonna get (laughs) <laughs> and I got the dead fish, and I think it was worse than the vomit. <laughs> I, I know. I I played this game, Bean Boozled, and it it had um, one of the flavors or whatever was dirty dishwater, and another one was um, canned dog food. 
And like, you didn't know if it's, was it a chocolate jelly bean or a canned dog food? Or was it peach or was it vomit? Anyways, I wanted to try the vomit ones, but the vomit was nowhere near as bad as the dog food. And the <laughs> dog food wasn't even as bad as the dirty dishwater. Like what was in their dishwater? I, 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 I have no idea what these people used as a basis for how they wash their dishes, but Oh, it was just like mold or something. Anyway, anyway, nobody threw up. We played the game. We laughed. You know, my nine-year, eight-year-old's uh, grandson played it. He wanted to play it. He he said, "I hope I throw up." Like that's you know, because that's because he's an eight-year-old boy, right? So he didn't throw up. Yeah, good, good for you. Well, I I think that you've got a wonderful story here. Um, you know, you, you went through some stuff as a, as a child and, and obviously in your family because your sister ended up with this as well. How's she doing, by the way? Has she, she gotten help or? She hasn't. I've told her how I was going to therapy and I even have wanted to give her the book because she likes uh -huh. to read, but she said, why would I ever want to get over this? I want, why would I want to get over this? Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, it obviously doesn't affect her life and stop her from doing things she really wants to do. So in that sense, yeah, people aren't necessarily motivated to get over it. But um, if you want to have kids and you want to travel and you want to go, you know, on rides and all that stuff, and you can't, um, then that's when you really start looking for something, you know, to, to help you out. But awesome. Cass Cassidy, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to find a lot of help through your story. Thank you so much for having me. For you therapists who are listening, Dr. David Russ, child psychologist, and I have a new resource website for you at emetophobia.net. And there are self-help instructions there as well if you're looking for exposure resources. Um, people with emetophobia, I have a new Facebook group that I made called Emetophobia No Panic, which has very strict rules and is more about sharing success therapy information, and so on, more so than the other groups. 